0: To have the Word of God and not respond to it makes one only more culpable. Uh, Unbelief leads to hardness. Oh, beware. Beware of privilege. And I speak now to us. We have the Word of God. We have teaching. We have clear explanation of the Gospel. We have so much. And that can easily lead to Pride, and that can lead to unbelief, and that will lead to hardness. A spirit of stupor sets in, and some of the hardest people to reach are those who've been around the truth all their lives. They've heard, but they've become spiritually arrogant, and that pride has led to unbelief.
1: Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Do Not Be Arrogant. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 11, the 11th of Romans. Great uh, chapter, great section really. In understanding God's dealings in history. Of course, the more we understand about God in every realm, the better off we are because uh, our great need is to know him. And Romans chapter 11 gives us a great sweep of God's dealings in history. And we looked at the first few verses of it last time, uh, our last time in Romans a couple weeks ago, but I want to uh, take a second look at it today. And just by way of review, you know, the question is asked, is God done with Israel? And uh, notice, he raises the question, verse one. I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God isn't done with Israel. Israel's unbelief is not total and it is not final. And that's where he's going with this whole chapter. The unbelief of Israel, though it was sad and tragic and is sad and tragic, that the nation, God's people, by and large, turned away from God and when He came to earth didn't respond in faith but responded with a crucify Him type of tone and uh, clamored for Caesar to be their king. we, We have no king but Caesar kind of a tone. Yet Israel's unbelief is not total, and it's not final. He says, listen, God isn't done with Israel. I'm an Israelite. And he cites the fact that even he is evidence that Israel's unbelief is not total. I, too, am an Israelite. And he gives his credentials. And then he says, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the Scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel. Lord, they've killed thy prophets They've torn down thine altars, and I alone am left, and they're seeking my life. Elijah ministered in a day when things were dark, and he felt like he was maybe the only one left. You ever felt that way? Uh, It's easy to begin to feel that way in a world of corruption, in a world of Christ rejection. And Elijah said, I alone am left, and they're seeking my life. But what's the divine response to him? Verse 4, I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. 7,000 who did not bow the knee to the spirit of the day. And you know, today I encourage you, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling like nobody else at work, nobody else in your whole school, nobody in your extended family, but you know God. Take courage. And you know, it might be that you've got the, uh, you've got a little bit of a twisted perspective on it. Even Elijah did. <laughs> Elijah, the man of God, figured he was the only one left. And God said, I've got 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, verse five, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Even in Paul's day, he said, and we can string that right on through to today, the present day, there's come to be a remnant. God always has a believing remnant. And even in Israel, the nation, ethnic Israel, there are Jews today coming to know Jesus Christ, and we rejoice. And it is a remnant, notice, according to God's gracious choice. If it's by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And uh, we paused over that verse, and I, would, uh, I won't belabor it today, but I would just say, take some time and let that verse sink in. God's grace is the only way anyone will ever be saved. And if it's, if it's by grace, there's no room for works. Uh, that's not a temporal statement. That's a logical statement. He's not saying, it used to be by works. Now it's by grace. He's saying, listen, if God saves by grace, there's no room for works. Not at all. You can't mix them. They're like oil and water. You know, we need to be very clear on that. And we need to make that very clear as we proclaim the gospel. And I would just press it home to your heart. Your standing before God is solely in Jesus Christ. Or else you have none. If you're trying to stand before God, even as a good Christian, by the Christian works you're doing, you have yet to understand what Christ came for. He came to save sinners. He came to die for sinners, and He rose again on their behalf. And so He saves people today by grace, just like He did Saul of Tarsus, who was busy persecuting Christ. He turned him around, and God. Paul says, Is God done with Israel? No way. I am an Israelite. I was boasting in my Jewishness. I was boasting in my Phariseehood, and I have come to know Jesus Christ. And in Elijah's day, there were 7,000 who hadn't bowed the knee. Well, what then? Verse 7. That which Israel is seeking for, it is not obtained. But those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not down to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs forever. What then? God has graciously chosen a remnant, even out of Israel. And so Paul is a picture of that. Elijah's day was a picture of that. And he says that which Israel is seeking for, it has not obtained. Those who were chosen obtained it. God graciously chose some out of Israel, but the rest, look at verse 7, the rest were hardened. Why? Why is that? Why were they hardened? Because of unbelief. Unbelief always leads to hardness. Hardness. And so he says, just as it is written, and he cites Isaiah 29, and he says, God gave them a spirit of stupor. You go back to Isaiah 29, and in fact, the New Testament regularly does. It's a significant passage. And you find that when man, even Israelites, even Israel, turns away from God's revelation and does not believe, God gives them over to their unbelief. God gives them a spirit he says here, of stupor. Eyes to see not and ears to hear not. The inevitable consequence of unbelief. Uh, Turn over to Matthew 15 for just a second because our Lord quoted this same passage in Isaiah. And He uh, brought it against the Israel of His day. And he said, verse 7, you hypocrites, Matthew fifteen seven. rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as their doctrines the precepts of men. You see, nationally, Israel paid lip service to God. And what a picture they are of so many today. They said the right things, they paid lip service to God, but their heart, and God always knows the heart, it was far from Him. And He said, uh, hence, notice verse 9, they're worshiping in vain. It's very possible to worship God vainly. To be worshiping in vain. There are, sad to say it, but it's true. Thousands of people crowded into Christian churches with crosses on the top today in America, worshiping God in vain. Oh, they might say the right things, they might have some lip service, might even have the right doctor, might even rattle off the right creed or the right Bible verse, but their heart, far from God. And notice how Jesus pins it down. Look at the end of verse 9 teaching as their teachings. That's what the word doctrine really means. Teaching as their doctrines the precepts of men rather than the Word of God. Oh, it's easy to do. And many uh, do just that and end up worshiping in vain and national spiritual numbness set in, Paul says. Uh, he gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not, ears to hear not. They blindly trusted their religious privilege and a spirit of stupor set in. He came to his own. Those who were his own did not receive him. And uh, a blindness set in, a stupor set in. The idea is a stinging that causes numbness. And there's a spiritual numbness that is the inevitable consequence of unbelief. And uh, that's exactly what happened to Israel. In fact, the apostle, uh, I I, I tell you, look over at chapter, turn a few pages back to 1 Corinthians 1. The apostle cites this same chapter, Isaiah 29, in uh, Corinthians chapter 1. And he says, it is written, verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. And uh, he's pointing out once again that God says, you know, as they turn away from me, I will let their wisdom go to seed, and their cleverness, you know, will not uh, be of any good to them. Why is that? Well, look at Corinthians 18, verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved it's the power of God. But when you turn away from the word of the cross... You hear the message of God's Son dying for you, and you spurn it. Why, God says, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. So it's sobering to see how the New Testament goes back and quotes Isaiah 29 and applies it. Now notice Paul cites both Isaiah 29, verse 8, and then he quotes David in the 69th Psalm, verse 9. And he says, David says... Let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs forever, or the idea there is continually. And once again, the 69th Psalm, one of the most clearly messianic psalms in all of the psalms, tells of the rejection of Christ. And Christ rejected the Messiah spurned. There's nothing left but... Judgment. And so he says, let their table, notice that, look at verse 9. Their table. Israel's. What does he mean by table? Well, you know, if we if we said it today, we would think, I think, immediately in the church age, we'd think of the communion table. We would think of the privilege we have, the communion we have. And you know, Israel's table, uh, spoke of just that, their privileges, their feasts, all these God-given feasts that were to picture God's truth to them. The prosperity that God promised them, I think, is involved here. And even perhaps we could extend it to, and I think it's appropriate to think in terms of all their privileges, what was their feasting, their table, really? Why, in every age, God sustains through His Word. You can't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so Israel took that which should have sustained them and gloried not in the truth, but in their own righteousness, and hence they sought a righteousness of their own, we've seen in chapters 9 and 10, and hence they missed God's righteousness, and their very table became a snare and a trap to them. In fact, we already saw that back in chapter 2, didn't we? They said, well... Paul said, if you think just being a Jew and if you think having the law and if you think having all these privileges, if you glory in these things, don't you realize how far you've missed the point? And we already saw that argument fully developed in chapter 2. If you look back at the start of chapter 9, he pointed out that those privileges alone can easily, and he quotes the 69th Psalm here and says they become a snare and a trap. To have the word of God and not respond to it makes one only more culpable. And so you have these sobering uh, statements here as Paul says, uh, unbelief leads to hardness. Oh, beware. Beware of privilege. And I speak now to us. We have the Word of God. We have teaching. We have clear explanation of the gospel. We have so much And that can easily lead to pride. And that can lead to unbelief. And that will lead to hardness. A spirit of stupor sets in. And some of the hardest people to reach are those who've been around the truth all their lives. They've heard. They have the privilege. They can rattle it off sometimes. But they've become spiritually arrogant and that pride has led to unbelief. And unbelief will inevitably lead to a hardness setting. And you see this, and we've seen this in Romans repeatedly. He said Pharaoh had all these evidences given to him. What would he do? He failed to respond. He did not believe, and hardness set in. Or the whole race... He started back in chapter 1 by saying everyone knows God. They just don't want to honor Him as God or give thanks. The creation tells us of God. And so even though they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God or give thanks, and they became blind, futile in their speculations, willing to bow down to creatures and idols And you see the same thing happening today. It's a sweeping statement he began the book with, and it's illustrated here by Israel's unbelief. And I repeat it. Oh, there are a lot of people in what I would call, not Christianity, although I probably could in a broad sense of the term, but I would say Christendom. You know, the nations where the gospel has gone, the Gentile nations by and large, as you look around the world, where the gospel has had historic root, there are many, many millions who glory in their communion table or their baptism. If you ask them about God, they'd kind of resurrect some sort of idea. I think I was baptized back when or or I was baptized as a baby and I've been confirmed and and they've glory in their religious privilege and there's a spiritual stupor that's set in. There's no heart faith in God. So as we read it, uh, let's not just leave it with Israel Uh, There are many today whose table has become a snare and a trap. By the way, let's turn back to Isaiah for a second. Just look at Isaiah 29 briefly with me. Before I leave that, Isaiah 29, it's so sobering, and I'll tell you, uh, where there's rejection of God's word, where there's a trading it in, Jesus said, for man's word... And oh, that's happening today. It's happening in evangelical churches where the Bible is just given a little bit of lip service, maybe just a quote or two, and by and large, man's precepts are what's being taught. That's exactly what Jesus said took place in his day. And when that happens, it's inevitable that uh, the spirit of stupor will follow, the spiritual numbness, that deadness that sets in. But just read Isaiah and let it sink in, starting at verse 9 of 29. Be delayed and wait, blind yourselves and be blind. They become drunk, but not with wine. He's describing this spiritual stupor, and he says they get drunk, they lose their ability to make good choices, but it wasn't with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured over them a spirit of deep sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. The word of God quit going forth in judgment. And I'll tell you, it's a dangerous thing. In fact, it's a dangerous junction we're at in our generation. The church, God's people. What's our response to and our reverence toward His word? Isaiah writes of a time when they turned away and they began to get drunk spiritually and a spirit of stupor set in. And the entire vision, verse 11, shall be to you like words of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who's literate saying, please read this, he'll say, I cannot for it's sealed. They give it to somebody who can read, the literate person. He says, oh, it's so hard. I don't understand it. It's I don't. Want, I don't like that. Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, "Please read this." And he say, "I can't read." And you know, I can't read that without thinking how similar it is to today, when the Word of God is opened. So many, even in Christendom, just say, "Ah, oh, I don't understand that." It's that really relevant to our day, to my life, and they just spurn it, and it becomes less and less, it becomes more and more sealed, so to speak. The spirit of stupor. Sets in. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed. And as I said, if you're familiar with the New Testament passages, you see how often he goes back to this and quotes it Jesus, Paul in Romans, Paul in Corinthians. And it's a principle throughout. God's truth spurned leads to darkness. Light turned away from leads to that spiritual stupor. It can happen in a whole church. It can happen in an individual life. And when that happens, uh, read on in Isaiah... Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, Who sees us? Who knows? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made should say to its maker, He didn't make me. Or what is formed, say to him who formed it, He has no understanding. And you can't read that, I don't think, if you've been with us through Romans 9, 10, and 11 and see the Spirit that says to God, How can He do this? I don't like that. That's the fruitage of having turned away from God's Word, having failed to respond to it, and that spiritual stupor sets in to where people end up turning things around and the creature pointing at the Creator rather than the creature submitting to the Creator and bowing in reverence to God. And that's what happened in Israel. And that's what happened in Jesus' day. That's what was going on in Paul's day. That's still happening today, and it will be yet future. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians before we leave that. Let me show you 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, at the end of history, we're told that uh, people will be deceived. And it's amazing to think, when Antichrist arises... He'll be able to get people to believe just about anything. And I guess today, as we look at the landscape, if we have perception, in fact, all through history, as you look at the landscape of man, when he turns away from God's truth, he is very deceivable.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Do Not Be Arrogant, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist, It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Downtown Bible only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our day-to-day expenses. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our
0: next broadcast. God. Has from the day he chose Abraham out, he said, I'm going to make of you a great blessing, and I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And, of course, we know that personally, nationally, and globally, blessing comes through Israel. Salvation is of the Jews, Jesus said. Uh, He said in another occasion, listen, The rock which was rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and God is going to take from you the kingdom and give it to a nation producing the fruit thereof. And that's what's happened in this era. Even Israel's rejection has become a blessing, and one day Israel's acceptance will be the source of worldwide blessing life from the dead, he says, as he describes it. Oh, it's good to know this, and it's good to remember That all blessing comes through the seed of Abraham,
1: Jesus Christ himself. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Do Not Be Arrogant. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.